Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Greg Proops Film Club. This time, broadcasting wild from the, <laughs> the salubrious confines of Edinburgh's most enchanting cinematic experience, the Film House here on the Lothian Road. And uh, tonight, we're screening the 1974 comedy classic, uh, Young Frankenstein by Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder. Uh, what an exciting film this is. I'm rarely as excited uh, as I am to show a picture as I am tonight, because this one is uh, a complete cracker. Uh, when it came out, I remember driving up. I'm from San Carlos, California, which is a small white suburb south of San Francisco. Um, how white? Um, we had a plain yogurt festival. <laughs> People would say, take the fruit out. The powerful taste is burning our tongues. <laughs> and <laughs> where One Direction is found in the hip-hop section. And <laughs> hello, everybody. Uh, um, uh, we drove to San Francisco, me and my friend Skip Martinelli, and uh, we drove up in his Honda uh, to the Ghirardelli Cinema, which uh, isn't there anymore, and the Ghirardelli Chocolate Factory down in the Fisherman's Wharf area of San Francisco to see it the week it opened. We were so bloody excited, right? I remember we went next door to an Italian restaurant and bought garlic bread and brought it into the theater. That's the kind of considerate teenagers we were. And uh, uh, the, I've never been in a house, maybe two or three pictures in my life. Uh, I think, think of a, uh, a Peter Sellers Pink Panther one from the 70s and uh, Annie Hall, maybe What's Up Doc, where the crowd blew out the way they did at Young Frankenstein. We went to see it at the Ghirardelli Cinema. As soon as the lights went down, people were screaming. And uh, that was the kind of anticipation there was for this picture when it came out. Because Gene Wilder had been in Willy Wonka, and Gene Wilder had been in The Producers, and those weren't giant smashes, although I saw Willy Wonka when I was a kid as well uh, at the Redwood Cinema in Redwood City, California, for 50 cents. <clears throat> uh, I know, now it sounds like I'm talking about the dawn of film and whatnot. We would throw in a nickel, it was largely immigrants. Uh, <laughs> there was a piano player in the corner, you could smoke a cigar if you like. No women were admitted. Um, and uh, it was a Nickelodeon, after all. Uh, but we, uh, uh, so people knew all about uh, how funny Gene Wilder was. And he had just been in Woody Allen's uh, Everything You Want to Know About Sex But We're Afraid to Ask in an amazing sequence where he's, uh, he's a doctor who falls in love with a sheep. And uh, uh, that kind of launched uh, him uh, into the stratosphere a little bit. So he had an idea to make this picture, right? Um, Gene Wilder uh, had an idea, and the idea was this. What if... Baron von Frankenstein from uh, the Frankenstein story had a grandson who didn't want anything to do with the family. And they were shooting uh, Blazing Saddles out in the desert, Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder, and they were having lunch. And Gene Wilder told Mel Brooks that uh, that was the synopsis of the movie. What if Baron von Frankenstein had a grandson who didn't care about his family? He thought they were weirdos and wanted nothing to do with him. And Mel Brooks went, oh, my God, that's funny. Uh, so Gene Wilder, I, I think, largely wrote the screenplay. I think, I think they're both credited in the titles, but uh, I think Gene, it was basically Gene Wilder's idea. And uh, Gene Wilder said to Mel Brooks, um, um, I'll make this picture, but you can't be in it, Mel, um, because you break the fourth wall. Uh, if you've seen Blazing Saddles, you know how, yeah, Mel Brooks comes right at the audience all the time with absolute vaudeville shtick. Hello, hello boys, and we have to protect our phony baloney jumps. Oh, hello, boys, I miss you. I haven't seen you since last night. Like, Mel Brooks is nonstop. And um, I think it works for the purposes of this picture. If Mel Brooks had been in it, it would have been funny, but it's a different picture entirely. That This is a straight-up genre parody, and I think that's where um, this comes in as Mel, one of Mel Brooks's strongest efforts because it's real cohesive. So we go to the cinema, and the credits start, uh, and this is a, 
oh my God, some 40 years ago now. And when the credits started and Gene Wilder's name came up, the crowd cheered. And then Mel Brooks at the end, people were screaming. And uh, Marty Feldman had had a summer replacement show in uh, uh, the United States called the Marty Feldman Comedy Machine, I think was a, was a compilation of another show he had done here. So he was known to the American audience, but wasn't huge yet. Um, I got, had the very uh, uh, rare uh, friendship with, my wife and I were friends with um, Marty Feldman's widow, Loretta Feldman, uh, who had collaborated with Marty and had uh, worked with him since the beginning here uh, in the 60s, when, uh, uh, because he kind of... Uh, I don't know if you would use the word mentor, but he was a little bit older than the guys in Monty Python. And uh, they all looked up to him, and he gave Cleese and some of them their first gigs and whatnot. And Loretta claimed that he invented the wink-wink, nudge-nudge sketch, and that Eric got it from him. Uh, in any case, Loretta was fantastic and spoke like Tulula Bankhead. Uh, she'd go, oh, Marty had the idea. But uh, the, the, you see, the, the, Eric stole it from him because he's a lesbian. And um, the... <laughs> So we went over to her house uh, when, I f- when we first met her, and uh, inside the house was uh, a shrine to Marty. It was largely like it had been when Marty was alive. And um, all of his gigas and bric-a-brac and tchotchkes and uh, uh, other Yiddish words that you don't know were... Uh, um, he had f- there was photographs. Uh, there were several bathrooms in the house, and one bathroom was the young Frankenstein bathroom and had nothing but pictures of the whole cast and Peter Boyle and Mel Brooks and, and Cloris Leachman and uh, everybody uh, uh, all over the walls. And her house had antlers everywhere and millions of candles lit and a little patio outside, very Spanish. And it had a pub inside the house uh, and a drum kit where Marty played the drums. He was a, they were deep jazz uh, devotees. And so we would go over to her crib and uh, she would smoke and make drinks and tell a story about having uh, famous people over at her house and whatnot. And Buster Keaton's widow loved Marty Feldman, right? The last woman who was married to Buster Keaton and gave him one of Buster Keaton's skimmers, right? So the skimmer was hanging on the wall. And I'm like, whose straw hat is that? And she's like, oh, darling, Buster Keaton's widow thought Marty was hilarious. So she gave him the fucking hat. And... So no one was looking. This was the first time we met her. I walked over and I put it on. And of course, I you know, like, had a complete spaz attack because are we allowed to say spaz attack in this day and age? Uh, uh, because I was wearing Buster Keaton's hat. Pictures of uh, 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 Julieta Messina, uh, of uh, Fellini's uh, cohort, uh, partner, and uh, wife, uh, who's in all those wonderful pictures, Night of Kiberia and what. There was an autographed picture of Julieta Messina to Marty Feldman from Knights of Kiberia. And uh, it was just an exciting uh, place to go over because it was like a living uh, museum of cinema. Uh, one, one bathroom was the uh, silent movie bathroom. One bathroom was the young Frankenstein bathroom. Uh, it was fantastic. And um, Loretta always uh, spoke really highly of Marty and how uh, funny he was. And, of course, this picture made him gigantic in the United States. And after this, he made uh, Last Remake of Bo Jest and, uh, uh, oh, golly, what's the last picture? Yellow Beard or whatnot. Um, he made a picture with Jerry Lewis, and evidently he didn't like Jerry Lewis very much. Um, um, and uh, he's not the only person who didn't like Jerry Lewis very much. Uh, I happen to be a huge Jerry Lewis fan, uh, and so does my wife Jennifer, who picks a lot of the pictures uh, that we uh, uh, show in the film club. But uh, uh, I-, I think Jerry Lewis is a genius. As you know, he invented video playback, and uh, he was a- an auteur in so much as he wrote directed and produced a lot of his pictures uh, in the 60s and whatnot. But by the time Marty worked with him in the late 70s, I think he was fairly bombastic. Uh, I had occasion to meet Jerry Lewis once, and uh, we, we were supposed to tell Henny Youngman jokes. Henny Youngman's an American comedian who's famous for the joke, um, take my wife, please, right? So Henny Youngman was, uh, I don't know, six foot four, a gigantic slump-shouldered Jewish man with a violin that he would occasionally drag the bow across, right? He never actually played it while he was doing his comedy. And it was all one-liners. Uh, I went to the doctor. The doctor said, you have six months to live. Uh, I said, I want a second opinion. He said, you're ugly. Um, so 
we were doing a, there was a, a muscular dystrophy telethon. It was the Jerry Lewis muscular dystrophy telethon. And we were ushered into a trailer on the CBS lot in uh, Los Angeles. This is some 10 years ago. And uh, Eddie Foy third was one of the producers of the show. Well, I don't know if you know who Eddie Foy is, but Eddie Foy was a, a vaudevillian and had an act called The Seven Little Foys. And there was a Bob Hope picture called Eddie and the Seven Little Foys. Uh, Eddie Foy... Uh, the second was also a comic in movies. So this was Eddie Foy III, and I, I went up to him and, uh, to meet him, and he gave me a full Hollywood greeting. And if, this, if you ever go to Hollywood, remember this one. Um, because no one in Hollywood will ever admit that they don't know you or that they don't know what's going on or that they don't have the upper hand, right? So if you go, it's, I'm pleased to meet you. I've never met you before. He, Eddie Foy, I came up to him and I went, pleased to meet you. And he went, nice to see you, which I've used since then on other people. Uh, w- when they go, hey, it's nice to meet you, I'm like, good to see you. Uh, terrific. Uh, so we go into a room, and Jerry Lewis comes out. Shorts, uh, 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 um, white socks, white tennis shoes, right? And like a safari jacket. And he's got a sheaf of jokes in his hand, of one-liners. And we've each been given a, 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 a sheet of, uh, of Henny Youngman's one-liners. And we're to, we're to tell three in front of Jerry. It's me in a room full of comedians. So he would walk around and he goes, let me tell you something about Henny Youngman. Henny Youngman didn't, uh, he didn't go up at the end of the joke. He didn't go down. He hung. And he goes, all right, kid, go, right? And he hits one of the comedians with the sheaf of jokes. And the comedian starts telling jokes. So a guy goes, guy goes to the doctor, you know, like, boom. And then he goes, bam, and hits the comic, rest. I'm not kidding. He walked around a dozen of us. He hit me on the shoulder, bam. And I went, uh, uh, a guy checks, I went to my hotel last night. The room was so small when I put the key in, it broke the window. Uh, you know, and then bam, he hits my shoulder, rest. Uh, as we were leaving, Patton Oswalt, who's a, uh, a, a, a comedian of some acclaim, uh, in uh, the United States when we're leaving the room with Jerry Lewis. And by the way, while this is going on, while he's hitting us and we're telling jokes from a comic who's been dead for two years and these jokes are easily 100 years old, uh, <laughs> there's two photographers taking pictures the whole time. Like this is a, a red carpet. There's two guys <laughs> the whole time. So the mania was palpable in the air. If, if, you had a, if you had a knife, you could have cut the mood elevators. And thank you. Take your time. We'll get there. So all this is going on. We're telling one-line jokes, one after the next. Jerry's hitting us with a piece of paper. And uh, as we leave, Patton turns and goes, uh, I'm, I'm retiring. I'm going to get a job at Blockbuster Video because I've just met Yoda. And so he did this picture with, um, was it Slapstick? I can't remember which picture it did. Yellow? Uh, anyway, he did a picture with Jerry Lewis. And Jerry Lewis gave him a watch. And uh, uh, evidently the watch was delivered to the house. And Marty Feldman took the watch and went, fuck him, and threw the watch down, right? And it went under the stove, where it remained for 40 years. <laughs> Two or three years ago, Loretta told us the story. Oh, he fucking hated working with Jerry, so he fucking threw the watch on the thing. We never fucking found it again, darling. Three or four years ago, I'm in Los Angeles, working at a club called Largo, and Flan, who was very good friends with Loretta, uh, I'm walking up the staircase to go uh, do the comedy, and Flan holds up the watch, like this. And he goes, look at this. And I'm like, you're kidding. He went, I went under the stove. It's been there the whole time. <laughs> so uh, I had occasion to meet Gene Wilder. Years ago, uh, I was, doing some, I was uh, doing some very, very uh, important humanitarian work for Cathay Airlines. And uh, they were having me do a promo for things you're supposed to visit when you're in London. You know, while you're in London, be sure you get stabbed in this neighborhood. And while you're in London, be sure you score coke in this neighborhood. And while you're in London, be sure you, uh, you cottage in this toilet. And, uh, and that kind of thing. You know, the thing that they show you before, you land the, before the plane lands for tourists and whatnot. And uh, I got to inter- uh, interview all kinds of interesting people. Um, uh, Modern Joffrey and uh, T. 
Terrence Conrad and whatnot. And the one I was the most, ex- yeah, Terrence Conrad. I went to the Bluebird Cafe and interviewed Terrence Conrad. And um, he was quite nice. Um, we had tea. We didn't have lunch, as I recall. I was kind of hoping he whipped me something up. You know what I mean? Uh, Terry, it won't be any trouble for you. Fuck into the kitchen and whip up a little salad for us, won't you? And uh, in any case, uh, uh, the one I was the most excited about, oh, Mary Helvin. We also interviewed Mary Helvin in her house, which was fantastic. And uh, the one I was most excited about was Gene Wilder, right? So we went to this, uh, uh, he was in a play then uh, called Laughter on the 53rd Floor by Neil Simon, right? One of about 200 things Neil Simon wrote about his experience as a writer uh, for Sid Caesar. Uh, Mel Brooks, of course, wrote for Sid Caesar as well. And famously, Sid Caesar, who was enormous and quite strong uh, in the 50s when they were making the show, they were doing an hour and a half live every week on television. Live, So they wrote an hour and a half worth of sketches and songs and whatnot. And it was Carl Reiner, uh, Harold Morris, Imogen Coca, and Sid Caesar, right? And this is your show of shows. Um, they, uh, they, all had a, they all met in the writer's room. There was a very famous woman writer on the show as well. And then the other writers who, who weren't, weren't senior enough to get in the room actually sat in the hallway in chairs, which is where the Kids in the Hall comes from and why the Kids in the Hall comedy group named themselves the Kids in the Hall. Mel Brooks' uh, uh, Sid Caesar's writers that... You, you rotated in, right? If you wrote enough funny stuff, you finally got to sit in the room where Sid was. They sat in the hallway, right? So evidently, Sid Caesar at one point was uh, uh, taking massive amphetamines to get through the show every week and then drinking like mad to go to sleep after the show. And he was making an enormous physical effort to do an hour and a half of live television every week and was prone to fits of peak. Let's just put it that way. In other words, he was hysterical and maniac. And... He grabbed Mel Brooks during one writer's meeting and held him by his ankles out the window of the 53rd floor. And uh, so uh, the, the play is about that era. It's, they're all there in the room and whatnot. And uh, Gene Wilder played Sid Caesar, which is a um, terrible fucking casting. And Sid Caesar at that point was like six foot four and giant broad shouldered, like a wrestler, right? Like, a, like one of his characters, like a big Russian wrestler with the, you know, and Gene Wilder is a very beautiful, gentle guy with ginger hair and blue eyes, and rather slim. And there's a scene where he gets furious in the play, and he punches a hole in the wall, right? Well, it was clear, they get to the part of the play, and he gets really mad, and he punches a hole in the wall, and it was so obvious that there was a spot in the wall that they had put paper over, because he hit a flat, right? And it just went, pish, like that, like, <laughs> like you were hitting a tissue box, right? And, and so... We went back a couple days, cut to, uh, the next night, um, BBC Two, as they used to do, and they still do occasionally, uh, would show uh, uh, vintage pictures late at night, like about 12.15, like way too late. You know what I mean? Like, you know you've got to do something the next morning, but the picture comes on at 12.15 and you're like, shit, I'm going to watch it for like 20 minutes, right? And then, of course, next thing you know, it's three in the morning and you're drunk and then you call in sick the next day. <laughs> so they were showing Young Frankenstein, and I'm not kidding, it was like the day after we saw Gene Wilder in laughter on the 53rd, 54th, whatever floor it was. And I was so tired, and I watched it anyway, and I fell asleep right before the end, and it was absolutely hysterical. So the next day, I go in to interview Gene Wilder there, and he's on the set, and he couldn't have been more lovely, absolutely gorgeous. When you sat close to him, his eyes were magnetic, right? A big, beautiful uh, uh, movie star eyes, right? Like, I was going to say like Elizabeth Taylor, but I wasn't that enchanted. Um, I didn't want to jump him or anything. I'm just saying he was gorgeous. And uh, I said to him, uh, you're a comedian. And he went, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm not a comedian. I'm an actor. And I was like, okay. And I said, uh, do you share my high opinion of Richard Pryor? And he's like, I love Richard Pryor, right? Because Richard Pryor and him were in all those movies together, Stir Crazy, the one where he's blind and he's deaf. They were in like four or five pictures together that all made money. And uh, I said, did you guys improvise 
when you did those pictures? And he went, no, everything was written. And I thought, wow, because there's a couple scenes in this picture that are supposed to be improvised. Uh, the Ovaltine scene with Cloris Leachman, who is a genius, um, evidently Cloris improvised. And uh, there's some, a couple of other things. So Gene Wilder, I said to him, um, you know, Gene, um, because I was very friendly at that point. Uh, G-dubs, I said. Um, Wild Kitten, I said. Uh, I was on his lap at this point. I said, uh, hold me. Um, I said, uh, I was watching uh, I, Young Frankenstein, and, uh, you know, and you wrote it, and it was such a tremendous picture, so beautifully realized and so elegantly formed and written and whatnot. And Gene Wilder goes, I was watching it uh, recently, and I thought, recently? It was on last night. Your play ends at 10. <laughs> you went back to your room, and it was on BBC Two, and you watched it like everyone else did last night, like I did. He went, I watched it recently, and I was like, mm-hmm. Was this a special screening in your hotel room? And he goes, uh, and I thought I was a little over the top. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> really? It's, it, uh, yeah. Um, that's what he does. Um, the whole point of Gene Wilder in almost every picture he's in is that he goes from zero to 60 in about two seconds. Uh, we all saw Willy Wonka where, what does he say after uh, the second kid gets wasted? He goes, uh, two bad little children gone, three good little children left. <laughs> he thought he was over the top in Young Frankenstein, but his pitch in it is absolutely spot on and perfect. Um, saying that he felt like he was over the top in it is like, uh, you know, interviewing Lee Marvin and Lee Marvin going, I thought I was a little menacing in that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or interviewing Bridget Bardot. I thought I was a little voluptuous in that one. I don't, I, I tried not to. Um, and uh, so, uh, th I, as I say, this picture uh, was conceived by him and put together by him. And uh, a lot of them are still alive. Cloris Leachman still works in L.A. Uh, she was in Dancing with the Stars a couple of years ago in Hollywood and did quite well. Uh, Peter Boyle is, is uh, swirling in the heavens, but... Um, he was a, a marvelous uh, star and was on a television show called Everybody Loves Raymond for uh, like uh, a decade in the United States uh, uh, as he became older. And I had an occasion to meet him once at a table read. Sadly, I was not able to corner him and pepper him with questions about this movie. Uh, then why are you telling us the story? I just wanted to brag that I'd touched Peter Boyle pretty much at this point. It's not all insight. Some of it's just open bragging and feeding my own ego. Uh, but I think you'll find uh, at the end of the day that... Uh, if there's five or six classic American comedy pictures, and if you think they're, I don't know, Bringing Up Baby or Annie Hall or um, uh, The Thin Man or whatever you think the funniest, uh, uh, certainly The Producers by Mel Brooks is frenetic. But The Producers, uh, I think, fails to reach everyone on the same level that this picture does in so much as there are no women characters uh, other than uh, sort of a vaudeville burlesque type character. Uh, this one's, all the women characters are hilarious, hold their own. Um, here's what makes this movie special aside from everything else. It's beautifully shot. It used a lot of the um, props that were specially made for the Frankenstein movies are in this picture. Um, the score is sensational by Mr. Morris, uh, who worked with uh, Mel Brooks on a lot of pictures. Mel Brooks isn't in the movie, but also the cast of Gene Wilder, Cloris Leachman, uh, Terry Garr, and the superb Madeline Kahn, who I believe um, 
was uh, the funniest woman all through the 70s. Really knocked it out of the park in every single picture she's in. Uh, you may remember her in Blazing Saddles and uh, What's Up, Doc. Uh, I was the high school, I was the movie critic for my high school paper. This will surprise you not at all. And I remember reviewing this movie and I wrote the headline as well. And I, I'm going to say it uh, because I have no shame or embarrassment. Mel Makes Monster Mary was my fucking headline for this movie. Uh, and yes, it was after I saw it at the Ghirardelli Cinema, uh, eating garlic bread. And uh, uh, who, I'm, tr- I'm leaving out someone else. Oh, Kenneth Mars, who's also in this movie. And if you want to see another movie that's almost as funny as this, that's from exactly the same time period, What's Up, Doc, by Peter Bogdanovich, also has Kenneth Mars, and it's Madeline Kahn's first picture. Um, Madeline Kahn is, of course, swirling in the heavens as well. Uh, too many of them have left us, but every single person who's in this picture... Oh, I've forgotten his name, which is a terrible form for a host of a film show. Uh, but in the, in the opening scene, when they're in the... Um, uh, medical uh, school, and the guy sticks the, the knife in his leg. You'll recognize that actor uh, as the uh, Baron from the, uh, the Sound of Music. It was his last movie, uh, and he's quite sensational in it as well. Every single uh, person in this uh, picture is a superb comedian, and evidently, they shot a lot of movie, and it was edited down. They kept showing it over and over again to different, uh, you know, uh, and screening it, and taking out parts of this movie. So this movie is a brilliant distillation of everything that works uh, in comedy uh, for this picture. I don't know where you can get it for free. Usually I try to recommend a place to rip off the movie because I hate paying for them. Um, But maybe if you comb around YouTube, some maniac has put it up. Uh, In any case, uh, right now, I'm very pleased to present... Oh, after the picture, uh, uh, there's books out in the lobby. I'll be signing them and and touching you appropriately. And... uh, taking pictures with you if you wish. And uh, also, after the picture's over, we're going to talk about the movie for a couple of minutes, and then we'll uh, sally out to the bar here. And that's what makes Scottish cinemas better than any cinema in America. They have chili con carne and a bar in the cinema. <laughs> I give you now Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder's classic from 1974, Young Frankenstein. <laughs> wow, what a swell picture. Uh, thanks so much, you guys. Does anyone want to chat about it for a couple minutes, or anyone have anything to say? Or I, I just everybody in it. Gene Hackman uh, as the hermit. Now this is '74, right? '75. I don't think he'd ever been in a comedy at this point. Um, he was known for The French Connection and uh, Scarecrow, and uh, playing a series of Weasley cops in movies like Cisco Pike and jazz like that. It was a complete wild card to have him in there. Terry Gar uh, as Ilsa. What did she say? You were having a nightmare, and then uh, defeating his mutual. Uh, they really don't miss too many gags in this picture. Uh, Cloris Leachman is a force of nature. Uh, when the Ovaltine scene, where she keeps rolling back in on the... <laughs> and she keeps spinning back in. And also Marty Feldman, I forgot to mention, in the whole first half of the movie, he's this high, right? And there's one scene where everyone's like this, and his face is at the bottom of the screen. He comes into every scene at the bottom. Um, unbelievable. Even when he's roll, uh, running the machine at the end, and he's doing that. Everybody's physical comedy. Kenneth Mars... Um, half the cast of What's Up, Doc, is in this. I just realized the, the old man who plays the judge is the old man in the beginning of the movie who he does the neurological experiment on and, uh, and Ken Mars and everything. Um, uh, I thought it was hysterical. Um, <laughs> uh, some of the sex jokes are a little more questionable taste than I remembered in our more sensitive time. Uh, evidently, the 70s, we just didn't care uh, whether women were ravished by monsters or not as long as they had a screaming orgasm at the end. Uh, now we live in a more sensitive time, uh, where if they don't, it's a bummer. Um, so, uh, d- does it, who, where are you, darling? Uh, she has the microphone somewhere. There you are, in the back, wandering around. Does anyone want to say 
anything about this picture or have any? Because I'm happy to keep on talking, but this is where we try to interact. I know it's difficult because we're in the Britain <laughs> and that whole sharing in public thing. Although, God damn it, you're Scottish, so step up. Uh, we show, yes, my darlings, go ahead. Kenneth Mars. He passed away, but he was so bloody wonderful. You remember uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Him and Cloris Leachman are both in that movie. Cloris Leachman said she was in three great movies. Um, Last Picture Show, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and, uh, and this picture. And it really is a career. Uh, Kenneth Mars is the sheriff in that movie, playing one of his usual puffed-up characters. In What's Up Doc, he also does a hilarious, supposedly Croatian accent. There's no idea what accent this is in this movie. It was an ugly thing. Uh, and everyone speaks German in this, by the way, if you noticed. There's not one word of Romanian in it at all. The, he says, eins, zwei, drei. The, 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 it's so Yiddish. It is fantastic. Uh, there's a lot of jujitsu. Yes, what was your name? First to do, ask the microphone. So my name is Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Do you ever find yourself quoting from this film a lot? Incessantly. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, that's the thing about this picture is there's so many uh, quotable lines in it. Uh, my friend uh, Will Durst wrote me tonight, said a give. That's all he wrote. Uh, and, of course, uh, at home a lot, it's give my creation life. And uh, <laughs> what was the other? I like when he says, with pride, dignity, and grace, I don't want to live. I don't want to live. Um, yeah, uh, a ride is an ugly thing. Um, and, of course, the, I think the one that everybody loves the most is, Say it, say it. He was my boyfriend. <laughs> um, there's, I don't know why that line is so unbelievably funny. And, and what hump? And the part that Marty Feldman improvised was he has a hump on one side at the beginning of the movie, and he moved it. <laughs> they, they didn't tell him to move it. He moved it. So in the next scene, Gene Wilder goes, it, wasn't it on the other side? And he just looks at him or whatever. Uh, Abby Normal. <laughs> I also love the scene with the dead monster's hand in his arm, and he goes, ah, that's, uh, that's the ticket. That scene's unbelievable. Um, it, it, it's straight up slapstick, and there's so many uh, great pictures from right around this time. Uh, the Woody Allen picture from this, uh, there's two Woody Allen pictures on either end of this. Uh, What's Up Doc is like 73, this is 74. Uh, Sleeper and Love and Death, which are amazingly funny movies, and also have... Um, I know. It's Woody Allen. I know. Uh, <laughs> I like to pretend that his life stopped right after Annie Hall and that we just have him as a perfect thing that existed then and I don't have to think about him now. But um, uh, in Sleeper, there's a lot of slapstick in it. Uh, there's so much slapstick in those movies. And uh, I think the difference is, you know, you go to see comedy pictures today, uh, The Hangover 6 or whatever, and, uh, or say a festive Adam Sandler movie if you've taken a blow to the, <laughs> blow to the head with a croquet mallet recently. And... Uh, the difference is a, a, a modicum of sophistication. I'm not saying that all pictures of them were better or anything like that. That's not true at all. At the same time as this, of course, there was uh, Smokey and the Bandit, and uh, <laughs> we, we had some pretty hackasaurus uh, movies in the 70s as well. Um, but the information is different. Uh, I think because it's a, a little more World War II, uh, a little more classic movie information going into uh, this one, definitely. And if you noticed, it said, they thanked, I can't think of the guy's name, Kirk Trader, who, who did all of the special effects in the real Frankenstein movies, Gave them all that equipment, and th that is <coughs> all that equipment from... Uh, it was Kenneth Strickfaden. How do you say it? Kenneth Strickfaden. Strick. Strickfaden. Strickfanny? Yeah. What was it? <laughs> Strickfaden. Strickfaden. Strickfaden, that's it. I want to say Fander. Strickfaden. 
It's Strickfaden, yeah. And they're amazing uh, machines. It, it, the, to be honest, the, the riffs in this movie are more from The Bride of Frankenstein uh, than the actual movie of Frankenstein. Go on. What's say, your name? Uh, I'm Scott. Hi, Scott. Honestad. Uh, I'm American. Yeah. <laughs> see what I did? See, I, as you yeah, can see, yeah, we're, uh, yeah, we're big yeah, Boris Karloff fans yeah. as well. Oh, cool. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're wearing Frankenstein stamps. That's cool. Yeah. So the old, um, the old movies that, that this is obviously ripping off, it's when you get to the third Boris Karloff one, The Son of Frankenstein with Basil Rathbone, it's impossible to watch once you've seen this. <laughs> it's so close to it. Right. It really the is. Son of Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. Who's Igor in the first one is what I'm trying to remember. Because later it's, it's Bella's Igor. It's Bella Lugosi in The, in the uh, Son of Frankenstein. In Son of Frankenstein, yeah. Because yeah. they do play one line uh, on the soundtrack when he looking at the book and you hear Colin Clive go, and he goes, and you hear Ego go, yes, master. And they've just dumped that in on the soundtrack, which I think is really cute. They call him Fritz in the first film for some reason. Yeah, right? Uh, the, it's a spot-on parody, and that's what makes it so beautiful. The, the, the wipes and the dissolves, the irises down, and all the, um, the, the, the 30s special effects. Uh, and, and, and all their acting, too. They're all, she's, she does the, uh, what is it? Uh, you're incorrigible. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> always, there's lots of squealing around everything Madeline Kahn does. Um, and I love her for that. And, and all the gooey, gooey uh, shots of their eyes and lips and everything. And the spangly oh, Terry Gar. When they're waiting for the fiancé to arrive, Terry Gar comes out in a sheath. It's just <laughs> completely wild evening gown. That scene might be one of my favorites where he says, um, uh, you take the bags. <laughs> you take the blonde, I'll take the one in the turban, and he attacks the fox. And she hits him with the purse full on, bam, in the head. <laughs> and Gene Wilder goes, awesomely, stop that. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Uh, thank you. Ed, does anyone else? And then we'll go into the lobby. Yes, sir. You, will you hand him the mic over there? It's, a better, it's better if you're on mic. We're making a. Podcast. People listen to this. What are we to understand from the term Schwanstucker? Schwanstucker. <laughs> it's a hilarious takeoff on Yiddish, uh, Schwanz. <laughs> but they make it funnier by saying Schwanstucker. And I love that she says, woof. And then later when Madeline Kahn sees his Schwanstucker, she goes, woof. <laughs> and of course, he'll be very popular. <laughs> There are more knob gags <laughs> carrying this movie. I like it better than Blazing Saddles. A lot of people love Blazing Saddles, but I think it, I don't know if the sophisticated is the word, but it holds together. Also, I find it, it's emotional. Peter Boyle is a wonderful actor. He was an improviser, and he's from Second City, uh, the, the famous improv uh, group in America. And uh, he made another movie uh, called um, Steelyard Blues that's almost all improvisers in it. And, uh, and, but he was a superb actor, and he's doing the, so much heavy lifting in this movie because he's in a ton of makeup, and yet they're see, every time they cut to him, when the little girl says, now what will we throw in? And he just goes, <laughs> and shifts it right by the camera. And the thing I forgot, because I hadn't seen it in a while, was how many takes straight down the pipe there are. Marty Feldman never stops looking at the audience. And Gene Wilder does a few times, like right to the camera. Almost every single actor in the movie actually looks right at the crowd. And that's a real difficult thing to pull off. It's not funny. The, the actors I can think of that do it, uh, Woody Allen does it, because he does it because Bob Hope did it. And Bob Hope always did it. Bob Hope always turned to the crowd. And Oliver Hardy and Buster Keaton are the two others I can think of that are get away with it constantly, looking right at the audience and going, 
<laughs> and um, I love that. And some of the scenes, uh, you could tell where the laughs are built in. They, they pause and ready for everybody to laugh at that point. Uh, I think the timing, Schwanstucker. <laughs> He'll have an enormous Schwanstucker, and Gene Wilder goes, well, that goes without saying. Did anyone get the joke? Maybe we're all, maybe the crowd's too young. In 19, when I saw it in the 70s, pardon me, boy, is this the Transylvania station? The fucking crowd exploded. Because everybody remembers that song. And track 29, Can I Give You a Shine, is uh, the next lyric to that song. Uh, yeah. All right. Enough with the explaining of the jokes. I think we've had uh, enough. I want to thank you very much for coming out. We showed Bullet uh, a couple of days ago here. We've shown Young Frankenstein uh, now. I want to thank the film house and everyone named Allie. There's several people named Allie who work here of every gender, by the way. Uh, it's a, it's a, a myriad of Allies in every, uh, covering every sex. And I want to thank everybody that. I want to thank the people at the film house for letting me do this uh, during the festival. And I want to thank you guys for coming out tonight. Uh, you can listen to it. This one won't drop for probably a month or two, but the bullet one will go out, I would say, next week. Uh, but it's free to download on uh, gregproofs.com or on proofcast.com. And uh, you can hear yourselves uh, ask questions. And uh, uh, it's just basically a, a podcast, which is a, a fancy word for radio on the telephone. Because <laughs> that's how the kids get all their comedy now. Um, right. We go home and watch TV, but kids go home and talk to their phone and look at it all night. And uh, it's not a phone, really. It's a... Friend, <laughs> full of pretend friends inside of it. And that's the world we live in now. Uh, so thank you very much for coming out tonight. I appreciate it. I've been Greg Proops. I wish you nothing but love. This has been the Greg Proops Film Club. We'll see you next time. Crank that theme up, Allie. We'll be back next year. Good night. Hey, hey.